Hi, my name is Branko Melodic, and you are listening to the Talking Architecture and Design podcast, brought to you from the Architecture and Design Network. Today, I am delighted to bring you the third podcast, our 2022 commercial design series, proudly brought to you in association with StormTech. An Australian success story, StormTech are the original linear drain inventors currently used worldwide. StormTech skilled specialists work closely with specifiers, architects and builders to offer tailored drainage solutions, free site measures, bespoke drawings and plans for customised drainage designs for all Australian commercial projects. Their products are watermark certified and they are the only drainage manufacturer worldwide to achieve both gold and platinum green tag certifications. And sustainability is at the core of their business. Their full product range is available in a range of powder coated colours and electroplated finishes to suit any trend and fashion. Find out more by visiting www.stormtech.com.au. In today's podcast, we'll be talking with Andrew Tobin from Mervac about the unique challenges of designing mixed-use buildings. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to Talking Architecture and Design. My name is Brent Kamalinik, and today we have a, in our studio our guest, Andrew Tobin. Andrew Tobin is the Development Director, Mixed-Use at Mervac, where he was, or he still is, I believe, responsible for the management and delivery of two of Mervac's most complex high-profile mixed-use projects, Harbourside and Waterloo Metro Quarter, which are both in Sydney. Before joining Mervac, Andrew spent over 20 years at Lendlease, most recently based in London as head of office of the office business unit in Lendlease's Europe Development Division and Project Director for International Quarter London. So welcome to Talking Architecture and Design, Andrew Tobin from Mervac. Franco, thank you for having me. Good to be here. And sorry, I, I, I didn't mean I, I didn't mean to uh, you know change your role, you know, because <laughs> I do that sometimes. Don't we love titles? Oh, yes, don't we? Um, I was going to say, oh, you know, we'll be talking about you know the challenges of designing mixed-use buildings, but let me read you out something. Um, start with mixed use development combines two or more uses residential commercial cultural institutional or industrial into an integrated structure or area this can be a single building a conglomeration of several buildings or sometimes an entire neighborhood or development area blending together restaurants boutiques and apartments can bring a whole lot of life to a city corner while allowing for greater density it brings people together to live, work, and play in the same space. So that's that's basically uh, a definition of, yep. of, of mixed use. But but can you tell me what are some of yeah, having that definition? Because that sounds actually quite complex, right? So can you tell me what are some of the initial design challenges of working or designing a mixed use building? Yeah, thanks, Branko. Uh, good question. I think, as you correctly pointed out, you know, sometimes the mixed-use nature of these developments are within a single building, um, and sometimes they're, they're on a much larger scale, um, sometimes on a, on a whole precinct scale. And I think the design challenges that um, come with both of those are sometimes quite different. Uh, but common to them both, I believe, is, 
is obviously getting the brief right. You need to know what you're delivering and why you're delivering that. Um, you, you need to know the community that you're going into. Um, and, and that's why we, as part of our process, you know, do have quite a comprehensive stakeholder engagement program leading up to any mixed-use development. Um, mixed-use developments are, are typically of large scale. They go over many years. Uh, from you know, you, you might have in mind what's the, the base case of, you know that your feasibility was based on, but after working the brief through consultation with the various stakeholders, you might end up in a different in a different position, or indeed partway through the development, you might have to change tact. Um, and there's many examples of where that's occurred um, previously um, for me on some of the mixed use projects that I've worked on. Um, and, and with those larger scale projects also comes challenges with regards to uh, the scale and, and, and how it is staged. You know, to, when you're staging, you need to make sure you get the sequencing right. Uh, and when you're opening one stage and completing one stage and there's still other stages to go, how do you supplement that? How do you make sure that the, that the, um, the precinct and the places are activated? Um, and that people who might be occupying or, or being involved in certain areas are not next door to uh, just a construction site. How do you make it feel like a place right from the, from, from the first stage? Um, so that, that's probably some of the, the bigger scale um, uh, challenges. Um, and then when it comes down to, I guess, individual buildings of a mixed use nature, um, you know, getting the design right from a functional sense is, is really important. Um, making sure the, the areas are defined, you know, wayfinding is defined. Um, and, you know, I guess the other challenge is um, making sure that it's an efficient building at the same time as well. Uh, when you've got a mixed-use building, uh, you've got different competing um, amenities and the like, and sometimes your typical metrics around creating an efficient building might need to change to be tailored for the, the nature of having different uses in the one building. Um, if you think about a, a hotel or on top of a residential building, you know, obviously there's different lift cores servicing different parts and you're not going to get the same efficiencies uh, in, a, in a building uh, that you would normally with a single use. Interesting. This does actually sound really complex. Um, just out of interest, what kind of money are we talking about here on average for a tip, typical? I, I, I hate asking this because you know, it's typical, right, you know, for a journalist, but <laughs> what? For a typical average mean, you know, I don't know, whatever term you want to use, what kind of money are we talking about? Uh, you're talking about the, the development value of the projects? Yes, yes. Oh, look, that, you know, mixed-use projects and, and buildings can come in all sorts of um, shapes and sizes and scales. Um, most of my experience over the last, you know, 10 or 20 years has been in large-scale mixed-use um, precincts, um, uh, harbourside, uh, with Harborside Shopping Centre redevelopment um, with Mervac that we're about to set out upon um, in the forthcoming years. Um, it's quite large in itself. Um, Waterloo over the station development that consists of, you know, many buildings plus a, a, a full precinct. Uh, the, you know, in my time in the UK, where I was looking at uh, different mixed-use developments, uh, you know, the, the largest scale one that I was actively involved in, um, international quarter, that was, you know, 2.4 billion pounds, uh, you know, staged over, you know, over, over many years, indeed, uh, over decades um, for, for delivery of that. Um, so, so, yes, you do have the larger scale ones. Um, Barangaroo was what I was involved in back, um, back a, a few years ago now. Again, that's of, of huge scale. 
Um, but, but then you can get mixed-use uh, developments um, on a much smaller scale, smaller intimate buildings um, as well. So you know, there's, there's no price point or value that is, um, that is um, I guess, uh, uh, common to all. It's, um, it, it varies. The big, big, big bookends there. Barangaroo, you were involved with as well. Yeah, that's right. I spent five years of my career um, working on Barangaroo um, right from, the, from the outset of, of that project um, in the first phase, which was the delivery of the three towers. Uh, there was the, the waterfront residential uh, and then there was a large retail component as well. And then two smaller um, uh, buildings, commercial office buildings, of, of, which were timber structure buildings as well. That was the first phase um, of, of Barangaroo and the subsequent phases going on now with the, uh, there was then Crown Hotel, there's residential undevelopment at the moment and then there's um, uh, Central Barangaroo which is uh, just going through um, planning and approval processes at the moment. But my, my, my initial involvement was in the first phase. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, some of the challenges that you mentioned uh, including some of the, I'm going to list now, security, um, noise, you know, waste disposal, fitting into the, you know, the, the existing area. I mean, I suppose you didn't have that problem in, in Barangaroo, did you? <laughs> but but uh, parking, you know, the whole, you know, sustainability, the whole lot. lot. Um, which of these, or, or, or any others that I haven't mentioned, are the hardest? And for, from, from, that, from that point, which of those are the most common that you have to deal with when it comes to design these kind of developments? Yeah. Look, I think there are a lot of common challenges, but uh, I think there's certainly unique challenges for each individual uh, development, um, particularly in the context of where, they're, where they are located. Um, if we talk about Barangaroo and, uh, and, and myself being involved in the early phases of Barangaroo, and, you know, Barangaroo was, you know, it was hard to get someone to come and meet you at Barangaroo. People... Uh, you know, it felt a long way away from the city. Uh, people didn't want to come and meet there and, and talk about the vision that you had. You had to go to them. Um, but, but, you know, as, as Brangaroo started to be developed and there's phases being completed and there was the amenity and activation that, that came with the earlier phases, even though there was large-scale construction going on there, people started to come down and indeed uh, start to appreciate what was there. Uh, and then, and then the tide turned at, at a point in time when Barangaroo became the place to be. If you were meeting friends after work, you'd, you'd go down and have a drink, have a bite to eat at Barangaroo. And you know, at the same time, the city was in uh, CBD was in a bit of turmoil. Joy Street had you know, the road being ripped up for, for the yeah. light rail, um, and, and and it did switch. And all of a sudden, with the infrastructure that was there, Barangaroo was quite close. So, so I guess that initial challenge of of Barangaroo and and feeling like it was separated in the city, um, you know, that challenge was overcome through the connections and, and the destination that, that Barangaroo is. Um, yeah, looking at some more recent uh, developments that, that are, you know, talking about Mervac and, and South Everly, uh, a development that's uh, now completed, um, previously known as Australian Technology Park. I think one of, you know, that's a, a great precinct there where there's um, now employment opportunities there some great retail, some great public spaces and community spaces. Um, the challenge there, I think, was um, being able to take a development of that scale and be respectful of the community that was moving into and making sure that there was still, even though there was some uh, different uses um, entering into that area, 
being respectful of the local community and making sure that they feel that they are still part of that community. And a lot of that is done through the, the activation of the spaces down there in the precinct, um, making sure that the, the retail offerings are suitable for, for not just the, the people who are working there now, but, but the people who are already living there um, as well. You actually mentioned something interesting about Barangaroo, which is one thing I didn't list, which is my bad, is actually transport, isn't it? That, that's a really, really important thing of any, for that any development to start with, but certainly for mixed use, because you've got you've got a whole sort of menagerie of of different different types of, of people, of different types of occupants, different types of occupations. And they Absolutely. all have service. So it is, transport's a really important thing, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Uh, that, that, that is a key uh, a driver for being, being a transport hub is a key driver for, for, for development. Um, and particularly when you're looking for these big, larger scale mixed use developments. Uh, Waterloo Metro Quarter, that is the overstation development of the new Metro Rail Station. So that's that's um, turning an area which are which is in some need of regeneration and um, employment use and housing. Uh, that's turning an area which was somewhat disconnected from the city with a new metro station um, and being you know, six minutes from the city by by rail. Uh, so it's very easy to actually depart a, an office at Waterloo, um, uh, jump on the metro and pop up in Martin Place and, and go to a meeting. You know, within fifteen minutes later or twenty minutes later. That's, that's a key to, to actually being able to develop like that. It's also a key for being able to develop the, the, the various um, housing options that we've got at Metro Quarter, Waloo Metro Quarter. So, so people who um, are living there and might work in the city or might need connections, um, that, that Metro, Metro connection um, is key. If we look at uh, other examples, Harbourside as well, uh, that's in Piermont, the Piermont side of Sydney. It's a walkable distance from, from the CBD. But, but one of the key uh, things for us is there is another future metro station going in in, in um, Piermont. So, so again, similar, I guess, to Barangaroo, whilst it might feel uh, you know, slightly separated from the CBD at the moment, very soon it'll be really connected, not just both to the CBD, but to all the areas where people need to travel, to commute, to, to shop there, to, and to appreciate the space that's being created. Consider this sentence, okay? If design is to be improved, it must be achieved at a negligible increase in overall cost. Where the design inclusion results in a cost impost, it needs to have a demonstrable benefit to both developers and consumers that would justify the additional cost. It's a bit of, a, a bit of an out there statement, but, what, but it, it does actually impact on all development, I would say, quite seriously on mixed use. What is your opinion of that? Look, I think that's getting the right outcome for your customers, for your stakeholders, is the core of what we do. Uh, with getting the right outcome, and whether, and, and whether it's customers like residents in, who are going to live there, whether it's workers who are going to work there, whether it's retailers, whether it's visitors to spaces that are being created, um, or the community that you're you're developing in, getting the right um, outcome for those customers and those people is absolutely key. And if investing money in those right areas um, gets that right outcome, I think the value and the returns come with that. Uh, no one wants to 
live or work in a place that's that's dead, um, that doesn't have a vibe, doesn't have um, the the activation, and um, there you you really need to to focus on those things. Um, and, and and a lot of that will often cost money. You need to focus on those areas to to actually get the value out of out of the development and get the right outcomes for your customers. It's almost as if um, Sydney's becoming more European in its, in its CBD area. Is that, is that what I'm saying or is that just my imagination? Uh, look, that's, um, that's an interesting context. I, I, uh, I'm thinking about uh, the development of Harborside that we're uh, looking at at the moment. And we are drawing on many benchmarks for, for what that development could be. Uh, some of them are local. Some of them are in Australia, some of them are international, and and, and many out of Europe. Um, at at Harborside, we invested, and and I guess this goes to the point of making sure you're you're, you're investing, you're you're in the right areas. We've we've undertaken a, a a design competition internationally to come up with the right design team and the right design for that for that precinct. Mm-hmm. Uh, coincidentally, the 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 winners of that design competition. Um, is a is a partnership of the practices of Snowetta, who um, are international practice based out of Norway, um, but with offices all around the globe, including in Australia, uh, and, and Hassel, who are local but indeed um, global in their own right as well. So uh, one of the things that when we're looking at the um, the what what the different practices could bring to the table in the mixed use. Uh, development of Harborside, which consists of a large public realm space, uh, a lot of um, open space for the public, um, uh, but, but coupled with a lot of retail, a lot of office development, some residential as well. One of the things that did attract us to Snowetta was one of the developments um, in Oslo uh, on the waterfront, where they turned a space, uh, regenerated, a regenerated space, um, and turned it into a magnificent. Um, entertainment area with some great public realm space. Very different um, context, but but you could see how the capabilities and what they've done there could be could be utilised in a, in a place like Harborside. So so uh, I think there are parallels and there are benchmarks you can pick up on. But I think equally it's important to make sure that the development suits the context of where you are. At Harborside, we're not going to take that development that uh, out of Oslo and, and reproduce that there. We're looking to, to make sure that it's briefed in a way that it sits in the context and we want it to have that global flavour to it that it is at the moment, but we also want it to be something that integrates with the local community there um, at, at Harborside right adjacent to and part of the Piermont community. Um, it's important that the context of Harborside development connects with that and is part of that uh, community as well. And so therefore the architectural design needs to be very considerate of that context. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We are indebted to the wonderful people over at StormTech whose sponsorship of the 2022 commercial design series makes all this possible. StormTech are proudly Australian inventors, manufacturers, and are 100% Australian made and owned for over 30 years. All of StormTech's product range 
is Watermark Certified, which is vitally important for building insurance. Sustainability is also one of the most important aspects of Stormtech's culture. In fact, they take it so seriously, they are the only drainage manufacturer worldwide to achieve gold and platinum green tag certifications. Stormtech's skilled specialists work closely with specialized architects and builders to offer tailored drainage solutions, including bespoke drawings and plans for customized drainage designs for all Australian environments. In addition, they also offer a free on-site measurement service. So if you want to find out more, go to www.stormtech.com.au. And now it's back to the show. Let's talk about affordability. Um, that's a word that is used a lot these days. Um, there's, there's and there's, it's almost a double-edged sword, isn't it? There's, there's affordability of people buying, and there's also affordability for companies like Murvac to be able to build whatever they have to build, whatever that may be, and actually make a profit at the end of the day, you know, to satisfy you know, shareholders and whatnot. Is affordability an issue that keeps companies like Murbeck up at night uh, when we're talking about mixed-use buildings? Look, it's it's a big issue. It's uh, affordability is is important. Um, it's important to to people in Australia, and it's important to us as an organisation as well. Everyone deserves access to well-designed, affordable housing. It's it's a basic need. Um, you know, there's a key role that the property industry needs to play um, in the provision of of housing options there. Uh, so, so that is one of the, the big focuses for us. Uh, if I use the example of Waterloo Metro Quarter, um, there's alongside the offices and the retail, there's a real mix of, of housing options there, um, uh, some of which is, is affordable. So there, there is a, an, affordable house, an affordable component to the development, um, which sits within um, a building, which has also got your typical build-to-sell type products. But there's in that building, there's 24 affordable homes um, there. There's also a social housing building um, being um, built as part of that development. Um, and so there is a diversity there. Um, and then side by side with that, there's also student accommodation. So there's a, a need for, for that type of, 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 um, of, of housing as well. So it's important that we play a role in that. Um, uh, one of the things that, that Mervac is pioneering in Australia is the build to rent um, uh, uh, housing option, uh, and uh, and we've got a great project out at Sydney Olympic Park, which is uh, one of our first built-to-rent um, uh, uh, developments. Um, and after going out there and seeing seeing the 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 community that's created there, the people who've got secure tenure, um, you know, they can make the place their home. They can feel like they can stay there for as long as they need to. You know, they they've got pets. You know, my you know, going there and visiting a building there which has all the great amenity space for the people of that building. You know, within half an hour of me being there as a visitor, I'd already met two residents and their dogs as well. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a great option um, and something that I think uh, we uh, need to continue to, to, to focus on. It's, um, you know, as, as I said, I think we're pioneering that in Australia. It's massive um, overseas in the, in the US and the UK. Um, in the UK, I've seen a lot of that um, built-to-rent um, scenarios there, but it, it's really yet to get off the ground here and something that that, uh, that that we are needing to focus on. I mean, if you look at the level of um, affordable housing options that need to be provided in Australia, it's relatively low. The, 
um, in the UK, um, in my experience there, the starting point for a development, a housing development from an affordability is to have 35% of that development being affordable housing. Um, and, you know, and sometimes that can work, sometimes it can't. And going to your, your point about, you know, is it, is it viable? So, so if, if you can't deliver in the UK, if you can't deliver 35% affordable um, uh, housing as part of that development, you then need to, um, with the authorities, open up the books and demonstrate why you can't viably develop that. Um, and, and, and so uh, that's a, it's an interesting concept that exists over there with quite a high benchmark for level of affordable housing. On that point, what are some of the challenges that you guys have faced designing um, mixed-use development here in Sydney, um, both um, Waterloo and Harborside? Are there, were there some unique challenges or, or, or was it, dare I say, smooth sailing? Um, uh, look, there's, um, you know, so I guess I picked up on some of the challenges before, um, you know, from for us, uh, Mervac, what we're focusing on is our purpose is reimagining urban life. Um, so, so we're looking to uh, for developments of, of scale and of mixed use nature um, on on in the urban areas um, where there's transport links, as we as we discussed, um, and you can really regenerate um, and improve on an area, making real livable communities for our customers. Um, so I guess some of the challenges are there are obviously finding the locations for that, um, being successful in, 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 in obtaining that, and, and that comes through various means at Harborside. It came through the acquisition of the shopping centre that was there from the 80s uh, that, that's now in need of some regeneration. Uh, in the case of Waterloo Metro Quarter with the overstation development, it was as a result of participation um, with the joint venture partner uh, in um, securing the rights from government to, to develop over the station and with the, the relevant um, uh, contributions to government there. So, so I think um, finding the site is, is a big challenge. Then, uh, then knowing what to deliver uh, on that is getting the brief right, understanding what the, the demands are uh, is, is, is important. And then uh, getting the right planning, getting the relevant planning approvals for the development, which uh, on a large scale mixed lease development, um, take some time. It's often over various stages um, of, of planning and approvals, um, which can take many years and sometimes is chunked up into you know, various buildings or various parts and stages of the project. As our, as our cities grow, do you think perhaps this kind of concept would actually is actually becoming more popular? I mean, and I, and I say that because I mean, I've lived all over Sydney and I, I can tell you that you live far out, Sydney. It's no fun travelling in Sydney. <laughs> Maybe two in the morning, perhaps. Certainly not. And even then, it's expensive because we've got we've got toll roads coming out of our, our wazoo's. But you know, is, is this kind of concept becoming more and more popular? You know, in, in, in Australian cities like Sydney, Melbourne, in particular. Yeah. Look, I, I do think that um, um, having urban spaces, um, real livable places where people can work, live. Um, uh, you know, having communities that they, they are part of is, is the key. Um, people don't want to work out, you know, a business park that's, you know, shuts down at 5 p.m. And, and, you know, and then they have to jump and commute. Uh, likewise, you know, people, you know, probably feel more comfortable not living in big housing, you know, blocks. That, you know, they want to be able to, to, to be able to experience the community. They want to have retail. They want to have 
employment opportunities close by. Um, so, so I do think there's a shift um, generally, um, and I and and Mervac certainly trying to to focus upon that because I think we're one of the very few companies that has the capacity uh, and the the capability to to focus on the different types of elements that come together for a mixed use development. Um, at the end of the day, it's actually not just putting a residential building or next to an office building and putting a bit of retail in. You need to have experts in all of those fields, but you also need to have the, the capability to bring that all together seamlessly. Um, and there's very few organisations that can do that. Mervac's one of them, which is which is why that we're, we're, we've got a real focus on that together with our passion for making these um, good producing these good outcomes for our customers and for the community. Okay, on that point, where does the funding come from? I mean, is it, is it super funds that, 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 that is driving this or, or how, is, how is the, I mean, these things that work, you spoke about billions. That's a lot of money, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So where, where does the funding Well, Well, I, I guess uh, one of the advantages we have at Murderback is that we, we have a balance sheet where we can, when we can finance um, our developments. Um, but, but then we, we, we also look to um, maintain ownership into the long term, but at a point in time, we will bring um, capital partners in uh, as well. Um, and those capital partners come from you know, a variety of different areas. So yeah, um, the funds are, are an obvious area, um, superannuation funds and the like, that they, they are all um, you know, parties who come in and um, at some point in time during or after the development come in as co-owners uh, for, for the developments. But importantly for us, and I think that's this, why I really enjoy being part of the Mervac team is that because we are an, an integrated business, we, 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 you know, right from the outset, you know, with an acquisition and through design management with, with our design partners through to constructing it ourselves, we, we've got a construction arm who, who are there um, to, to, to build the developments that, that we're developing um, through to ownership and operation um, of, of the developments after they're occupied. Um, and, and so uh, that allows us to, to really focus on the right quality outcome. Um, we've got a real focus on making sure uh, there's really good place creation. Right from the outset, we're thinking about how those spaces and public spaces are, are activated. Um, and we've got teams who specialise in that. Um, so we're, we're thinking about all of that right from the outset um, as a long-term owner. What is one mixed-use development that Murbeck has done that you think may be or should be perhaps a template for future designs and why? Um, look, I, I, I'm, I'm involved in, in two with Murbeck at the moment, as you mentioned, Waterloo Metro Quarter and, and Harborside. I think the one that I drew on before, which is the development at South Everly, um, is, is a really good outcome that we can see and is tangible to see the, the outputs there now like that's created some great employment opportunities um, in that part of Sydney. Uh, it's got some great retail spaces that's really starting to come alive in this post-COVID world. Um, you know there's a local IGA there now, there's gyms, there's services, there's cafes and restaurants which are actually drawing people into the area now. There's some great community spaces that have been created, parks, play areas, there's a roof garden there on, on one of the buildings. Um, and importantly, going back to something I've touched on a couple of times, uh, ourselves as Mervac, together with the people who are, are now there, the retailers and the, and the occupiers of the office space, 
uh, are really focused on an ongoing uh, a series of activation and events to bring people in. So it's now a real curated precinct that 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 um, can bring people in uh, for for events um, on a seasonal basis or, or on a day to day, week to week, month to month basis as well. Um, and that's all happened um, being within a being uh, respectful for the community that that, that development's in, um, and trying to stay true to the character of the area. Uh, you know, there's some heritage listed buildings there, um, which in, in themselves are worthwhile seeing. And, and indeed, um, you know, there's a, uh, the locomotive workshop, um, which is partly office now, still has a working blacksmith in there as well. So having that side by side, uh, um, you know, the grounds of Alexandria uh, event space and, and, and an IGA is just incredible to see how, how you can fit the old with the new um, in, a, in a really, um, you know, encouraging way. Okay, so what's your least favourite mixed-use development design and why? Good have to mention names. Uh, <laughs> look, I, I, would, uh, I won't mention names, but uh, there's two examples that come to mind that I've been involved in, which probably didn't start off as mixed-use. Um, and they're both UK examples. There's one uh, both based in London, one which started off uh, as a short commute from, from London Central, uh, and it was, it was an office development. It was a, uh, uh, an office development that you'd probably term a business park. It had a single architect who was designing a series of buildings for people to go there, work, and then commute back to their homes. Um, and, and the commute that people have in, in London is, is quite often significant. That, that was a good example of a development where it needed to change. And in partway through after the, the delivery of the first uh, two buildings, as like, okay, how can we recreate this? How can we turn this into a place which is more than just a, more than a business park, more than a place to work? And it's now a place that's got residential um, as part of it. It's got a great pavilion building. It's got some great streets and laneways. It's got co-working space. Um, it's got all the activation um, in, in public realm spaces that, that people like to be part of. And it. it's now a destination for people um, during the day, during the evenings and on weekends as well. Um, there's another example, uh, again, uh, from my experience in London, which was a, a big uh, uh, regeneration of, of housing uh, in central London. Uh, and, and that you could see as that started to evolve that there was a piece missing. Um, and that piece was, you know, activation during the day and so the introduction of a, an office in what was traditionally a, a residential area brought all sorts of uh, uh, value to the space and, um, and, and retailers um, you know and a big focus on local retailers as well was able to drive that um, uh, regeneration um, and create a, a space that works at all times of the day and week. Okay so what you're saying is long-term planning here is the key yes? Or flexible long-term plan. Yeah, I think I think for the big big developments, you start off with a plan, but you need to be agile. You need to be able to to adjust along the way. Absolutely. Andrew Tobin, Murvax Development Director for Mixed Use. Thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. You've been listening to Talking Architecture and Design. Until next time. Goodbye. Thank you once again to today's guest, Andrew Tobin from. Mervac and also Stormtech, 
the proud sponsors of our 2022 commercial design series. Be sure to check them out at www.stormtech.com.au. You can also head over to www.architecturedesign.com.au for all the latest news, views, projects, people and much, much more from the world of architecture, design and construction. See you next time.